1: It's
2: showtime, folks. Enjoy the show.
1: day. How you doing, mates? How you there,
0: Bruce? He's the one that can get away with that. Yeah. Is that how you're going to avoid the Irish thing? <laughs> All right, Bruce, go ahead. Bring us in. <laughs> I just did. We're that here. was it? You didn't say Saturday matinee. Do I matinee? need more? Saturday matinee. <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> that's for nick oh, oh dear i got another thing for for nick actually this is from nick and uh this probably should have been my trailer pick this week where you guys stand on climax is this a thing that i need to see this is what nick says let's just let me just read what nick says oh also hi steve hi andy um good morning <laughs> Goodbye. so this is this is what nick says in discord Just a reminder for American peeps, Climax is released stateside today. It was one of the best movies I saw last year. And whether you're a fan or just curious about checking out a Gasper, is it Noe? No? Gasper, no? Film, this would be the best place to start. You guys it seems like right up your alley. This is like the spiritual (sighs) sequel to Suspiria. Am I right? (laughs) Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't see Suspiria. (laughs) Is this a thing I, that I should be excited about? No.
2: I don't, I don't I, know if I, I you should be excited you know, about it. <laughs> Cup of tea, yeah.
0: I watched the trailer, and there is a part where a dancer has yeah. her head on fire. That seems <laughs> fascinating. Uh, it's probably up my alley. I, I
2: saw in my Fandango app that it said what movies were coming out this weekend, and this one was listed there. However, it's not playing in any theaters near me. And I I've seen the trailer and i'm intrigued because it looks like it's doing some non-traditional things with sort of storytelling uh in the format and so i'm i'm intrigued i have not seen any of Gaspar Noé's stuff um because i know he's really in your face unapologetic with just wanting to make audiences uncomfortable i think uh to challenge them so it's the one that I've heard of is the it's the one that goes like backwards. What is it? Irreversible with um it's got the 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 rape scene in the alleyway and then a guy getting his face smashed in with a fire extinguisher and it's just really Brutal. Uh there's another one called Enter the Void. It's like a guy dies, has an out-of-body experience, which I hear is amazing, but it you know, I've got to watch in the name of the father first before I can get to any of these other things. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: No. None of
1: this Gasper Noe business. We've got work yeah. to do.
0: Well, that was the, the interview that that uh I can't think it was on Variety or something. He talks about uh how you you know he's asked because in the screening that the reporter goes through. Uh, six or eight people stand up and leave and he laughs about that and was uh, uh upset because usually he's shooting for 25 yes. percent of who, who is in the audience he's he's counting on them leaving his movie so it doesn't <laughs> it it doesn't seem like this is uh, a movie that was tailor-made for pete but uh, probably not you know probably not I don't care. It's A24 and now I'm really yeah. hosed because I'm trying to uh, catch uh, up on uh, my A24. What do I do about this? My two things are well, running then headlong then you into one another. Just be a Christmas and
2: gut it out and put yourself through it. Yes, maybe exactly. literally gutting it out with a
1: movie like this.
0: <laughs> Great. Terrific.
1: I uh, yeah. he reminds me of um I'm trying to remember the what's the director's name who did um <sighs> geez i'm just totally drawing a blank on everything about him but he's he's that other really challenging director uh he's always like you know very uh not just challenging making challenging films he's got that new one with um with matt Dillon. um but he's also challenging like at festivals and stuff he's just a very in-your-face sort of director and unapologetic for the the crazy stuff he does and i hate watching his movies because they just They're just they're they're intentionally designed to make you uncomfortable. And it's just not something I enjoy.
2: Oh, you're talking about the uh, the house that Jack built, Lars von Trier, Lars von Trier. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Same type of thing. Yes. Another thing. Yes.
1: Yeah. Lars von Trier. I struggle with. I haven't seen any Gasper Noe films, so I feel like I owe it to him to at least watch one or two before I make that judgment. Um, It
0: sounds like this might be the one, Andy. This is the one.
1: Well, Enter the Void is on my list of things to watch. So I definitely want to check that out. And then uh, I'll probably watch this one because, you know, it's in my A24 list of things to watch,
0: so just like you. It's because of Canopy. It's because of that service. That's such an it's so <laughs> yes. easy. They're all there. It is. They're everywhere. Yes. <sighs> A24 surrounds us. All right. Yeah. You want to talk about HBO, Steve?
2: Do do we want to talk about HBO? Yeah. I I am really uh interested to see where things go with with HBO in the future now that we have some some changes going on over there. I think, you know, everybody knows that Game of Thrones, but if you think about going back to even, I I didn't have HBO for a long time when we were first married, so I didn't get to see like Oz, but I mean like The Sopranos, so much original content coming out of HBO over the past like 20 years, and now things are going to change because they got acquired and they are losing sort of their the well, I guess he's the CEO now because uh, they were HBO was bought by AT&T uh, Time Warner, this whole conglomeration and it's people are speculating it's putting pressure on raising the bar cranking out more content to compete with Netflix, Netflix and perhaps Amazon and when you start pushing out lots of stuff there's concerns about quality and I think HBO has managed to you know, I think about Westworld, uh, you know, of course, Game of Thrones, they have put on, you know, sort of on, you know, what is it like appointment viewing Because it's like you got to be there Sunday night when those shows get released. People are showing up, you know, to see these shows and they have really focused on content. And now with the uh, resignation of Richard Ple- Plepler, uh, chairman and CEO of HBO, uh, there's concerns that, uh, that they're going to get off track. I don't know how well, you guys, you know, sort of feel about HBO's role with the pressure to, you know, going from cable, you know, subscription thing to, you know,
1: competing with the streaming services. Well, it's hard to always, <clears throat> excuse me, it's hard to always stay on track. You know, it's hard. You're never going to always have the same people in charge. It's always going to shift. Oh, sure. and so it's it's, you know, I guess it's the end of an era, that type of thing. But uh, it doesn't mean it has to be the end of what they've been doing well. However it does, uh, hearing stuff like that, it does make you wonder if they might be focusing on some issues that might push them into the wrong path that might, um, lead to some difficult times ahead because they've been, they've been doing pretty well, but it is a, it is a different subscription service. Uh, and if they are competing against Netflix, how are they going to find a way to, to manage that? Um, I, I feel like they've been doing it well, but I don't know. I'm not in those meetings. I I wonder if they're if there's more a struggle that they're having with Netflix.
2: Well, I guess the the issue comes from AT and T executive John Stankey, uh, who was basically last July told HBO employees there's going to be a lot of work to alter and a change in direction. Uh, so he's got a specific. It's he is now that they've acquired HBO, he, it's not that it's a case of the CEO just hitting a point where it's time to to step down. It seems like there's pressure to move HBO in a new direction and we've got the CEO getting out of the way uh, and people are speculating that may have been what, you know, caused this uh, plepler to, to leave is this push to let's focus on creating more. We're changing direction. I'm like, well, if HBO is doing well with this model, uh why change it uh again you've got disney getting to the streaming area if ever if that area is becoming crowded my question is if hbo has solid footing here with what they're doing they may be the unique player instead of jumping into the streaming field to compete with disney and then we've got what apple is coming out with their own streaming service uh why jump into the crowded pool why not stay unique with what they're doing
0: Yeah, I think you um, you you cut off half of that quote, that stanky quote, (laughs) Steve, the the next half of that (laughs) is the really interesting one. He continues after saying he wants to change direction a little bit. I want more hours of engagement. It's not hours a week and it's not hours a month. We need hours a day. Uh, referring, I'm assuming to hours a day of people sitting down and watching HBO. I want to HBO and veg uh, is, is going to be, I, I think, the new mode. Um, and, and that makes me a little bit nervous because HBO has always been the premium channel, right? I mean, it's the channel that has yes. the highest quality, not all the things. Uh, Netflix has a lot of crap that you got to sift through you got to kind of know what you want you got to be willing to to wade a little bit and you just don't have that issue as much I think with HBO. I'm one of those HBO because I don't watch it for the movies because the movies I can get elsewhere. Yeah. I watch it for a very few shows and I also now that I can turn on and off the the service easily I watch it for Game of Thrones. I I watched Oz. Yeah. I watch it for just at some shows. Uh and so Uh, This is I I don't know this. It makes me nervous because if if HBO is another place that has all the things, I, I don't need it.
2: Yeah, that's I mean, I don't understand this pressure to get to hours of engagement per day. You're getting my whatever, 20. If I subscribe through added on through Hulu, it's like $15 a month. You're getting my $15 a month, whether I watch one hour a month or a hundred hours a month, it doesn't change the revenue stream you get from me. And I guess I can understand breadth of content to get more subscribers. It's something that has always puzzled me with, with Netflix. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, how many people watch, you know, stranger things. If your subscriber base doesn't change the number of people, you can add more shows and they're watching more, but your revenue doesn't increase. And again, this is my big challenge with this model. I guess maybe getting more content if they're diversifying, getting people to subscribe because, you know, Game of Thrones isn't their thing and neither is, uh, you know, The Wire or Sopranos. That's not their thing. They want to get a new demographic in there that I could get behind. But just to say we need more engagement per hour per day does not make sense as a business model for me
1: it's interesting to see how things are going to shift with that i'm i'm curious to see uh, what yeah i guess time will tell we'll have to see what sort of programming they start doing and uh if they're going to come up with a glut of material like netflix has as a way to combat yeah, that. I, I have no idea i really
2: hope they don't go after the super i really hope they don't go after the superhero market because it seems like every streaming service has like tried you've got you know netflix had marvel and then we have yeah, DC is launching has launched their well, own. Don't you feel like everyone's going to have to because yeah.
1: that's that's a market. Like yeah. in order for them to gain I, I that crowd, like because it's it's you know targeting a different age bracket. Some of them are in particular yes. like younger crowds. If they if not because I think that's the thing that HBO has is it's seen as very much an adult channel, right? Especially sure. if you watch like yes. those yes. that that commercial that they did where you know it was all those people like uh it there it seemed like they were you know doing. Uh, just porn films or whatever, as these actors were talking oh. to their family members, <laughs> yes. telling them the story, and they're like, "I think you're in a porn." No, it's HBO. Oh, okay, you know that yes. whole thing. And I think yes. that's what HBO is uh, perpetually going to be fighting is that um, that yes. look that people have, and until they shift and make it something where it's not just uh, for grownups. Um, I think it's going to be harder for them to to find that level of competition, especially if they're looking for a daily sort of engagement.
2: yeah, I guess I guess it's just finding the keeping the the quality there. and i I just wonder with what Netflix just did, what the umbrella Academy, which is another like sort of like graphic novel superhero thing, it I don't know how deep that well is for really quality content in that superhero realm once you've got, you take Marvel and DC and you've got smaller independent, you know, areas, but is there enough of that? Uh, I, I just hope they are able to perhaps diversify while maintaining the quality of shows like game of Thrones, West world. Um, they've, and they've had some other like limited series things that have, have done really well. Uh, for them so i I just hope they can maintain the quality as they sort of seek to yeah increase the volume of their content
1: yeah speaking of uh streaming services uh did you hear about steven spielberg's uh comments about netflix and his push to to uh block it from oscars no, I did not hear about. Yeah, he's Spielberg Netflix. Tantrum. He's, he's is uh, this? actively campaigning the Academy to to have Netflix backed films removed from consideration. It's been he's been pretty outspoken about Netflix for a while getting into the theatrical market because it's not their focus. Their focus is um, is streaming. But, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, Netflix is playing by the rules. They are releasing, they're doing their limited releases in New York and L.A. uh, for whatever the the amount of time is. I think it's like one or two weeks. And because of that, they're getting into the the Oscar consideration. He says that they should be considered for Emmys, uh, and that's it. And uh, he feels pretty strongly about it. And he's uh, he's going to be bringing it up at the next Academy Board of Governors meeting to uh, to push. But he's getting a lot of pushback from a lot of uh, a lot of younger people. Um, uh, Ava DuVernay, who uh, she won her Oscar. She got her an Oscar nomination for um, a Netflix documentary, 13th. Yes. She is uh, up in arms. You know, she said this is a board of governors meeting and regular branch members can't be there. But I hope if this is true that you'll have filmmakers in the room or read statements from directors like me who feel differently. And yeah, a lot wow. of people are coming out against Spielberg about uh, his attitude here. And uh, calling him a crybaby and pointing out the fact that <laughs> uh, the the old system needs to be disrupted. It, uh, Netflix is providing opportunities for a, a, mo- a far more diverse group of filmmakers than the studios are. And uh, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I get his perspective. Uh, a movie, you know, the Academy Awards are celebrating that theatrical experience. But... Um it is their rule, you know, a couple weeks in limited engagement in New York and LA is enough. And and if Netflix is playing by the rules, uh, you know, who are we to stop them? And if it means that the the focus needs to shift a little bit, then maybe that's what we need. But I, I it's I don't know. It's that big struggle that uh people are having with Roma. And I'm curious to see where this is gonna go. Yeah, I
2: I I've never really understood this bias against netflix because i i can't think of any off the top of my head but i know there are there are many many smaller films that got released in new york and la never you know as you know growing up in the midwest never came to any theaters near me would be nominated possibly nominated for oscars particularly you know documentaries i never so my chance to see them rent them at the video store how is how is that different from netflix and i guess perhaps the intent the the issue is they you know the intent for the smaller films back then was that maybe they would get picked up for wider distribution. And Netflix basically is doing this to meet the criteria, but their intent is really to distribute through their, yeah, right, their right. service. And they throw it in, but again, you, you can't start splitting hairs about that because ultimately for the audience, I, I love the fact that Netflix does this because the, this film gets a chance to play in the, in the big theaters, but if it doesn't, get that wider theatrical release, more and more people can see it. I don't know how many years I was always like, well, I would like to be able to vote on this category, but where am I ever going to see these documentaries? Yeah. Never. They never, you know, so, you know, why why are those more valid for Oscar consideration? Oh, because you happen to be in New York and LA, so you get the opportunity to see them, but for 95% of the rest of the country, they don't. Netflix is giving people that opportunity, so I just, you know, it's... Amazon you know is also I guess it's distribution model because Amazon backs a lot of films that get theatrical releases but because you know why is Amazon not Oh I'm sure they
1: are I just don't know nation. if they've yeah. uh, managed to secure yeah. the the uh, the awards consideration that Netflix has but I feel like no yeah, th- actually I completely that's wrong um what was the no, ma- um the movie that came out a couple years ago with uh, Casey Affleck and Michelle Manchester, Manchester by the Sea. Manchester Amazon. by the sea, sea was Amazon Studios. But I
2: guess because that did a typical theatrical release. Sure, sure. No, yeah. I, I guess that's the model but. Amazon's
1: been taking, is they'll yeah. do the theatrical yeah. release for a yeah. bit before it's just on theirs. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's It's an interesting... Uh, yeah. issue and it will be interesting to see where things shake up. I will say I did yeah. find it odd that the 13 hour O.J. made in America which was a fantastic documentary uh, mm-hmm. ESPN did yeah. re- release that theatrically yeah. so people could check it out yeah. which is nuts but um, uh, and it won because it's an amazing documentary but also because it has so much oh, yeah. I mean it's hard to compete when you're right. Oh, you an yeah. hour and a half documentary versus a 13 hour documentary yeah. there's just a lot of uh meat in it but uh yeah it's it, you know again i would argue that they probably weren't um completely uh that's not what the rules intended but it worked in their case so right yeah uh, who knows yeah. <laughs> but uh speaking of speaking of Oscars and Marvel News Black Panther did walk yes. away with three uh three Oscar wins that were um, pretty historic it had seven nominations and it won yes. three it won for best score which uh I think uh Ludwig Göransson did some fantastic music for that that has a very it just has a, a real nice uh feel to it with a lot of the uh kind of the African. Themes and the the instrumentation that he he brought in from uh, from different uh, people in Africa. Plus, you had Ruth Carter winning an Oscar for best costume design, becoming mm-hmm. the first African American woman to win in the category. And uh, you also had uh, Hannah Beechler, who. Was uh, got an Oscar, uh, an Oscar for Best Production Design. She was the first woman of color to win for the category and the first African-American to ever be recognized with a nomination.
2: Now, I was really excited to see it get the costume design and production design because really this, I mean, that was one thing I took away from that. You know, viewing is creating a whole new world uh you know in the in the marvel universe i i guess you've got guardians of the galaxy but that's sci-fi but it to me this was it reminded me of like lord of the rings like you're creating a whole culture and history uh of 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 wakanda and getting that communicated in a film where you've got so many other things going on. It was something that just really stood out of just how well defined uh, the, tr- the different tribes were. Everything to that,
1: I was so thrilled to see it walk away with those yeah. awards. And uh, not to uh, shortchange the animation category, but uh, also for Marvel, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse Walked Away, Best Animated <laughs> Picture.
2: <laughs> that To me, that walking into the... That was one that I knew... Without a doubt, that was a certainty oh, yeah. on that one. I, I looked; it, there were so many other things that were up in the air for various reasons. That one, I said, I know this is going to take it. There's just no competing in this category. That was by far the best animated film of the year. Everything else, I, I going in, I thought Glenn Close was you know, going to be. A, a lock for that, and was surprised because you know it was several years ago she got you know nominated for Alfred Dobbs and it's like the Academy saying we want to we want to recognize the work that you've done. We're going to nominate, and it, you know doesn't get it. So I'm, I guess we're counting on a Lifetime Achievement Award for Glenn Close sometime down the road, unless you know there's another uh you know Oscar-worthy well, performance that uh, she's going to. Did knock you hear? Out, because of, I, I
1: think called. because of her uh, the popularity with her award nomination and just mm-hmm. kind of her name uh, having such buzz again right now uh the the musical version of sunset boulevard which she uh did on broadway to such a claim um has been greenlit and so she's uh, she's moving oh, forward with okay. that so maybe that will oh, be great. her chance maybe maybe that will i've be, always yeah. loved glenn close she's just always been one of my favorites oh, and yeah. we actually my wife and i started watching the wife the other night uh, we started too late so we didn't make it very far but Uh, but I've been really enjoying it before uh, so far and I'm looking forward to uh, checking out the rest of it. Um, Any other things that you were excited about or disappointed with as far as the Oscars go?
2: The Oscars? um, You know, like I said, there was a lot where I felt it could go either way. I guess the biggest disappointment for me was to not see Paul Schrader get an Oscar for First Reformed. I watched that, I think, Saturday, the day before the Oscars and was just It's an amazing movie, Uh, one of the best films I'd I'd seen. I don't know how it didn't get a nomination for Best Picture, uh, but just a really strong script to that, Uh, just amazing film, and, you know, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, I mean, he is a talented writer that has not been recognized, and to... I, there's so many issues I have with Green Book and and all of that, so I just this was one where I thought this is this is somebody that's put in this time that is of quality and the Academy's not recognized. It was very disappointing.
1: I um I uh I really found First Reformed to be very powerful, but it was a film that I was like, oh man! By the time I got to the end of it, I'm like, wow, that was. That was, a, yeah, it, it was a difficult watch, uh, you know, and and certainly I think yes, that's something is. to say with yeah. Paul Schrader is he makes challenging films and First Reformed yeah. was challenging, but it was a quality production. I, I will definitely yes. give you that. Um, so it's uh, it is a shame that, uh, you know, the, the things that do end up winning in these situations. Sometimes it's always. It's always a surprise to see how things uh, how things play out. Um not only did uh, uh did we end up with um uh getting Green Book winning in this category but also best picture. A lot of disappointment there. Um I personally would have yeah. rather seen the favorite win for best original screenplay. Um I just uh, I really enjoyed kind of that but i can see i can totally see why first reformed likely should have won, especially uh, especially knowing the um the history of the best original screenplay category how it often picks the mm-hmm. winner that is kind of the more challenging of the films and then awards yeah. like best director like the more favorite like pulp fiction yeah. versus forrest gump is the one that initially comes to my mind um, I, so to that end, it would have been nice to see first reformed win, if for yeah. no other reason than to say, Paul, you've done a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, here, here's an Oscar for it. I <laughs> yes. will say, though, I don't know if you've seen the film that he did prior to this dog eat dog. I watched that one. And wow, was that a pile of garbage. That was uh, Nicholas oh. Cage, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> now, technically, he didn't write it; it was based on a novel. Somebody else um, adapted it, and then Schrader just directed it. But it was oh, oh okay. was it just complete trash. Skip it at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I <laughs> just watched First Reform again. I, I,
2: oh yeah, I and I'll say I know his. Uh, Stuff is spotty, and I've seen a, a few. I haven't it's not like I'm a huge uh, Paul Schrader fan. You know, I haven't seen everything that he's written, but you know, looking through at what he's gotten writing credit on, I mean, as I said, you've got Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Mosquito Coast uh, is another oh. one of my favorites. From well, you that's know, an adaptation. Also, then. right. So. Yeah, it's it's an adaptation. Oh, that's true. Yeah, off of the novel. Uh, but yeah, there, there are other things in there. I never saw his, re- you know, oh, he didn't write the Cat People remake. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the 90s. Uh, yeah, you know, again, spotty, but this one to me just really stood out as something of, you know, of quality. And to, for me, Green Book was just very much, uh, yeah, uh, well, go listen to our film board yeah. episode. <laughs> what we say, I, the book. Yeah. but again this is this is you know movies are uh the oscars always of of its time and it's always interesting to go back 10 years and say and look at what films endure and which films you know one that have been largely forgotten um in in that time so that's you know again you know something that history may you know look differently on on green book 10 15 years from now and some of these other films may may endure much have you
1: read uh i think it was kareem abdul jabbar who talked about green book have you read his comments on it no no i haven't haven't. read it um i i just saw uh somebody commenting on it and basically the the long and the short of it is that uh the african-american community they have seen this story play out time and time again with um uh, with this type of relationship portrayed in films. And he says, because of that, it's actually more important to tell it from the white person's perspective because you end up getting to see that change. If it was told from the black person's perspective, it would just feel like more of the same, like this is how it always is. And it'd feel more frustrating. So it was an interesting perspective that I hadn't thought of. I do need to actually find the uh, the thing that he Uh, said to read it to uh, see what how much i agree but it's something that i have seen passed around on on the internet a little bit okay
0: i'll
2: have to take a look at that
1: well should we do uh trailers and for those anyone tuning in who's uh (laughs) listening you might notice that pete had to step away he had some family issues come up so it's uh it's just steve and i now. This makes my my list easier, <laughs> less uh, competition. But, but
2: yes, but uh, trailers.
1: You've got the you've got the red I band. got the red band rule. Yes, I uh, uh, you know Neil Marshall. I think is a really interesting director. He hasn't always made great stuff, but he's he's made some really great stuff, and he's made some stuff that I, I think he puts an interesting spin on things. Even if I don't end up liking them, uh, his new take on Hellboy, which is coming out, and that's my red band trailer. Is it's the new the new Hellboy trailer that's coming out later this year. I'm I I, I I'm interested to see what he's going to do with this one. I was never a big fan of Guillermo del Toro's films in this uh, franchise. I think del Toro often makes really interesting films that have a lot of really interesting things to look at and interesting characters, but I rarely, if ever, have been completely in love with any of his films. And I think that holds true with uh, with, um, I mean, uh, the Oscar, the picture he won uh, Best Picture with. And I think that certainly holds true with his Hellboy films. And so I'm always frustrated with Del Toro, knowing that Neil Marshall is doing this. I think it'll give me, at least, maybe not the the fans of Del Toro's Hellboy films, it'll give me something to um, bite into and a little more of a taste of something interesting. It's uh, They've shifted it to be an R-rated reboot, when, and certainly having the Red Band uh, allows them to kind of play around with that. And I'm really curious to see what they do with this. I think an R-rated story makes sense. For a film where like a basically a demon from hell is your protagonist and uh, I'm curious to see what they do with the story. You've got David Harbour as Hellboy here, Mila Jovovich as the uh, as the antagonist, antagonist Nimue, the Queen of Blood Ian McShane's in it, Sasha Lane, Daniel Day Kim, Thomas Hayden Church. Uh I I sophie Okanedo is in it, uh Brian Gleason. It's an interesting cast, and I'm curious to see uh what they do with it. And knowing that it's R, knowing that I think that I can't remember if it's uh um uh Mike Mignola who said it's um you know the bloodiest that they've ever made one of these films. Um I'm curious to see it. What'd you think?
2: Yeah, the trailer I I had mixed feelings about this. Um because it looks like it's it's I don't wanna say silly, but it is definitely embracing more of the comedy that I'm I'm seeing in this. And I know that's part of what I recall from, you know, Del Toro's Hellboy, particularly the attitude of of the character, but it just seemed like there are it's embracing full comic book type of we can do all kinds of things. I'm I'm concerned about the scale of stuff because it seems like ever since i don't know the hobbit battle of five armies it's like how large scale can we make things and it becomes so for me overwhelming that the the scale of like how is hellboy going to stop armies of you know millions of of demons or or whatever um but i i am intrigued with this i like the look of it i like david harbour in this uh there's little things like when the uh the scene that they show where they're raising Hellboy out of the pit, the Nazis wearing like the 3D glasses with one blue lens and one red lens, <laughs> and I thought, okay, I don't know how to take this. Is this a movie that's you know really self-aware of itself? It's embracing this. Uh, I don't know, but I I did enjoy. I didn't love, you know, Del Toro's. I I did enjoy them. I didn't have any you know issues with them. I thought yeah, they were fine, and I enjoyed watching them. This one, I. That's what I'm expecting. I'm gonna go see it. I'll enjoy it. It won't be my favorite of the year, but uh I I think the cast looks really interesting. It looks beautiful, gorgeous. Um yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm sort of riding the fence on this one because I feel like it could go either way. Uh see that's written by Andrew Cosby, and this is I guess what sort of plays into the comedy piece. Uh he was a creator of a TV show, I think it was on a sci-fi channel called yeah. Eureka. Yeah. So which has, you know, it was a smart, you know, sci fi show, but definitely, you know, rooted there in in comedy. Uh, So I see interested to see how well he balances that in Hellboy that we get the, the action that everybody wants out of this. But still, are we in the R-rated, you know, comedy territory that, you know, Deadpool has sort of forged that path, allowing for the the
1: blood and the gore, but still being funny in moments. Yeah, right. So, so I, I think they're going yeah. to play that up yeah. nicely. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's going to end up being a fun film. It may not end up being great. I may not care for it any more than I do the Del Toro uh, versions of this story. But... I think it's going to be an interesting one, and with Neil Marshall at the helm, I think uh, it it could have some uh, interesting things to, to do. So so yes. that's Hellboy. It's uh, going to be opening in the U.S. April 12th, 2019. So it's, oh, wow. yeah, it's right so in the corner. Not,
2: not too far away. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting that we've the, the, what I would normally think of those summer movies are creeping into the springtime a little bit more earlier uh, I guess I guess we can blame Marvel for I that I feel like
1: they that goes sort of just broke open I they... feel like it even goes back to like the Matrix which uh, opened in April and, um, I mean, yeah. It's it's been something that they've played yeah. been playing actually that yeah. opened very yeah. end of March March 31st they've been playing okay. with that for quite a while trying to find new okay. windows that they could yeah. possibly exploit right and uh, but yeah Marvel certainly has been pushing okay. the pounds on it lately yes
2: <laughs> all right, what do you got? What have I got? What have I got? I've got. I've, I guess because uh, the first form, I'm feeling in an Ethan Hawke kind of mood. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is. I didn't know what to make of this one. Is Ethan Hawke has uh, sort of got this. Uh, Maybe it's because of what he was doing with, in, in boyhood where he had that going on the side. He was always, you know, seemed to be involved in these like little smaller projects, uh, fun things. And this to me sort of falls right in that. This is uh, called Stockholm. And it's the strange story of the infamous 1973 hostage crisis in Stockholm, where we get the phrase Stockholm syndrome. But we've got uh, Numi and Ethan Hawke and Mark Strong. It, so, We've got Ethan and Mark as these, you know, Americans uh, robbing this bank and it's a full on comedy crime movie. <laughs> I, I'm always intrigued by movies that adapt, you know, true events and maybe have a little bit of fun with that, particularly if it's something that people, might, you know, I think they, they're they branding this as, oh, you, you know, the Stockholm Syndrome, we're going to tell you the story behind it. How factually accurate this is, I... <laughs> I will have some doubts about. But I think it's interesting to see this story being told because everybody is aware of the concept, but what, you know, really happened. And I think it's it's intriguing. There's a few moments in the trailer where the bank tellers realize that, you know, the, the police aren't telling the whole truth. Uh, so that's, I think that lends towards the sympathies they have for these uh, the bank robbers. But this one just looked like a, a lot of fun. It uh, wasn't anything i expected and i always enjoy uh ethan hawk when he's not playing so serious i like to see him uh sort of you know hamming it up having a little bit of fun here uh this is written and directed by robert boudreau and i am not familiar with any of his other work he's done just uh f- directed a few other things worked with ethan hawk on um uh, another film uh but this is uh he's writer director It's coming out in April at the Tribeca Film Festival. No other release dates for that. So this is one that could end up not getting a theatrical release, heading straight into streaming. It has that feel to it. I don't see this as one that people are going to be showing up, you know, by the thousands for. But it looks like just a fun little movie that I would enjoy watching on a Saturday afternoon.
1: That's what I'm hoping to get out of this one. It's interesting uh, looking at Ethan Hawke's career, I'm. Uh, we always say he's like one of the busiest yeah. men in Hollywood, and I swear that's always true. Yeah. Because like this previous film he did with Robert Boudreau back in 2015, "Born mm-hmm. to Be Blue," a reimagining of jazz mm-hmm. legend Chet Baker's musical comeback in the late 60s, I never even heard of that film before. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I I swear that that boy is busy, busy, busy. I uh th- yes, yeah, this was kind of like uh the the interesting uh shift in tone with what's going on in in Hellboy this kind of is the same where it's like this bank robbery it's this heist film but they make it look so funny like they're really amping up the this <laughs> the quirkiness of this story yes and yeah. i it was one of those things where i'm like okay i i you know and they emphasize that even in kind of the text that comes up, you know, it's the I can't remember what it said, but it's like the the, uh, the you know, the the craziest story you've ever heard about the the famous um, hostage crisis or something like that. Right. And yes. uh, it's so it's interesting. I, I don't know anything about the actual case that the the phrase Stockholm Stockholm syndrome came from. So the fact that they're telling this story, I find really interesting. And I'm actually looking forward to. Uh, seeing this one, even if it may, I, know, it's one of those ones where I I hope it's interesting. I hope it's good, but I'm more curious yeah. just to kind of see the story now because they've, they're portraying it in such an interesting way. Yes, exactly. Well, we'll see, uh, you know, what, where it ends up, uh, if it maybe,
2: maybe gets one of those smaller theatrical releases. But, uh, you know, I, Ethan Hawke, I, I haven't seen everything, but usually I'm at least entertained. By the things sure. that it, the projects he chooses to be in, uh, you know. Sometimes there's, you know, pleasant surprises like predestination.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, you or first know. reformed. Yes. Yeah. Or first reformed. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. And that one didn't have a release date, as I recall, right?
2: No, it's just Tribeca, and then well, sometime Tribeca last time, 2019. Oh, was yeah. it last year? Oh, okay. So it's it says April 2019. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's or or, or sometime 2019.
1: So we, we shall see. see. All right. Yeah, all right. All right, then. Well, it's time for our lists this week. We are looking at or uh, Rocky Balboa is the film we're looking at. And we threw the options out to the group. And apparently our options were not very exciting because <laughs> it wasn't it was not <laughs> a high uh, voting turnout this time. It, the options were franchises rekindled coming out of retirement or franchises with a return to quality. Very few votes, but coming out of retirement is the one that ended up winning. And so here we are talking about movies that feature somebody coming out of retirement. Would yes. you like to kick it off? And,
2: <laughs> well, it makes it easier now that Pete's I know, right? Because I, I, there are some there I'm like, he's going to take that one. He might take that one. I've got some room <laughs> to play in. Uh, I'm going to start with one that... I, Caught me uh by surprise. It was one that I thought, oh well, I'll I'll check that out. I think it was like on Netflix. Uh what I'll I'll see what this is like. I, I don't know. It's one that I remember being in theaters, but not um you know, one that I rushed out to see and Really enjoyed it more than I thought. It, it's not a perfect film. It's got some issues. And uh, this is 2015's film, The Intern, with Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway and Rene Russo. And the you know, idea is, you know, Robert De Niro plays a man who is now retired and is looking to do something. And he takes a job as uh, an intern in a little startup, you know, run by millennials. So we have a whole, you know, all that comedy of the fish out of water, the, you know, Experienced businessman, you know, coming out of the, the business world suit and tie and this is the way you do things and walking into the, you know, open workspace and, you know, all those things. And we've got, you know, sort of that, that friction between how he does things and and not understanding this this younger generation. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. it. It was, I think, a little overly long at two hours, uh,
1: but I really had a lot of fun with this one. That's one I never saw it yeah, it piqued I, my curiosity uh, enough check it out uh, yeah yeah it's one that i i still probably would like to catch at one point i just haven't uh, managed to a solid 7.1 on the imdb well, starter here look at that <laughs> i i'm i'm a little torn because now i've got so many choices i was i was relying on some of them <laughs> being yes. uh uh being stolen so now i have to figure out which one to start with you know yeah i'm going to start with a Tony Scott film that uh I think I I really surprised me because I thought it looked kind of just like a dumb action movie when I saw the trailer but it, I actually ended up having a lot of fun with it. It is his 1998 film Enemy of the State that he did with uh with Will Smith and Gene Hackman and John Voight um Academy Award winning actress Regina King and it's a super fun movie um we have will smith as a character who inadvertently gets um entangled in this uh spy sp- spy situation because somebody drops something into uh his bag and and he ends up with it and now he's on the run lo and behold he ends up uh connecting with uh, gene hackman's character who Is very much a uh, kind of almost like a retired version of what you would expect um, his character from the conversation to have grown into, you know, kind of this paranoid guy who's almost like living off the grid away from the government. And he has to kind of uh, come out of retirement, I guess you could say, to to help Will Smith's character uh, kind of get through this whole situation and. And uh, yeah, I had so much fun with this movie. It was a blast. And it's one that I uh, certainly look forward to revisiting at some point. So that's my first one, Enemy of the State. That's a good one. And I have not seen it one in a long time. And that's one where like everybody is in
2: that movie. I mean, yeah. everybody. Chase
1: Busey, Barry Pepper, Gabriel uh, Byrne. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. No, it, a very young Jack Black, as I recall. Uh, yeah, that. Oh, I don't that one. That, yeah. yeah, this this one was a lot of lot of fun. Uh, yeah, very much that you know, espionage type of thing. So uh, I love seeing Gene Hackman in this. Uh, yeah, this is one that's probably well worth revisiting i'm hoping it holds up after 20 years and doesn't feel too dated i think some of the technology is going to probably appear like really clunky and awkward compared to what we have nowadays but just the the, the concept behind it uh was a lot of fun yeah had a great time with yeah, that definitely, one definitely. Good, good pick did not think about that one i said haven't well gene hackman's been retired for so long there haven't been a lot of gene hackman movies but when you think of somebody coming out of retirement that's the type of uh you're going to cast a Gene Hackman. That's for sure. Right. Right. (laughs) Or, uh, with my next pick, you're going to, you're going to cast a, you know, a Bruce Willis in what Pete likes to call the geriatric action movie. Red. (laughs) (laughs) My second pick. Uh, this was one that I just loved how much fun this cast seemed to be having in this movie. When you've got Bruce Willis and Helen Mirren and John Malkovich, um, morgan freeman uh just this whole idea of a guy who's retired and getting pulled back in and getting his his old team back together and this one and its sequel i just had a lot of fun with with both of these films that's my second pick
1: another one i haven't seen you have not seen either one? Oh. I know. I've, I've somehow missed it. It's another one that I was curious about. I'm certainly uh, not trying to avoid it. I'd be interested in checking it out. I just haven't managed to.
2: Yeah. PG-13 action, you know,
1: with a little bit of comedy. It's, it's such
2: a great cast. Yes. Another one with oh. a really great cast. Yes. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a lot of fun with that one. Okay. Put it on your list. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um... I'm trying to figure out what to I'm going to throw this one in there. I, I am not going to say this is a favorite of mine, but I think that there was some really interesting stuff done with the film. It is the adaptation of Watchmen that Zack Snyder did in 2009. And I know there are several iterations of it. I've only seen the theatrical version. I didn't watch the director's cut or the nine-hour version that features all of the animated story of the uh, It's not nine uh, the hours. Pirate ship. That's, isn't it? It's, it's the, like, I heard it, it was something it's, crazy. It's like four hours, I think. I don't think it's nine hours. The director's cut is like three or four hours. But then didn't they do a cut that has the animated yeah, they, story cut into it, too, that yeah. is like a nine-hour version? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I know it's longer because, yes, they,
2: they tried to put everything together j- so to sort of replicate the experience of reading the graphic novel, which has, right. in addition, the the sort of the, whatever, the slave ship, you know, graphic novel that one of the characters is reading. Plus, you've got excerpts from uh, the Black the, Freighter. Yeah, right. th- so you've got that. And then there's the uh, autobiography from one of the characters that you've got excerpts from, um, Let's see. The ultimate cut brings it from 162 minutes to 218 minutes, um, and it interweaves okay. the animated black freighter short in there. So, to, yeah. yeah. So two. Okay. Yeah. So
1: it's not. It's It's not nine hours. Nine hours. I don't don't know why I have it in my head all this time. No, that's... But I'm like, that's a... (laughs) Because you don't want that much Zack Snyder in...
2: Yeah, that's a a lot of Zack Snyder. Yeah, so three and a half hours
1: is much more doable. I I should check that out at some point. I'd be very curious. I did watch the Um,
2: director's cut just uh, last year, because I was was curious. I picked up... uh, copy a used copy of the DVD that had the director's cut. Um, I was intrigued and interested in seeing that ultimate cut that put everything together but I think Zack Snyder said he prefers the director's cut. He put the ultimate cut together for you know, like super fans but doesn't feel that it really works, you know, pacing and all that and that's why he yeah. has the director's cut which is uh, I think I added like like yeah like 20 25 minutes. And uh yeah, I I saw the original cut and then I saw the director's cut it had been many years in between uh but the director's cut i felt you know the movie is there's a lot of story i did enjoy the director's cut and i couldn't tell you unless i had a list in front of me what the differences were there may have been one right. or two extra scenes but it may have just been extending some scenes a little bit giving them a little bit more
1: space for characters or something like that But
2: that's a, right, right, right so who's the character I'm that's curious. coming out
1: of retirement in this one it is Night Owl. Ah, uh, Night yes. Owl had retired. Daniel Dryberg. Right. He uh, he had retired, and because of this whole thing with uh, the superheroes getting knocked off, uh, Rorschach right. uh, brings him back in to start uh, getting getting his costume back on. And I just love that uh, Patrick Wilson, who plays him, put on twenty five pounds to yeah. kind of give him that <laughs> you know retired overweight superhero look. <laughs> It was great. So yes. it's it's such a fascinating film to watch. Uh, I love reading the graphic novel. Yeah. Um, I do need to, uh, to watch the film again, but uh, it's not perfect. But it is really interesting. Yes, it is. And That's my next. So, all right, okay, we're down to the last slot.
2: Oh, I. Where do I go? Because this, when I build the list, it's there's some of the obvious ones, and then I I try to dig stuff out. Perhaps, um, I will go with since. Pete's not here, and I assume we, we could probably do our what we think Pete would have picked list. <laughs> we should. <laughs> uh, so I'm, well, Enemy of the <laughs> State was probably on his. I probably stole that from him. I'm going to finish <laughs> with one that um, I've ever seen in the theater, and this just, uh, I have not seen it in a long time, but it just hit me as like a perfect film at a perfect time to reinvent a genre um, and just an amazing cast. Unforgiven is just one of those. I have not seen it, but every memory I have of that movie is just it wowed me from beginning to end with the performances reinventing the western a movie where you know typically you have good guys and bad guys and we're in moral gray area of who's you know everybody's got some corruption in them Uh, just blew me away when I saw it in the theater Um, and we've for me that's my number one
1: coming out of retirement film that's uh, the first deal all right about to do that one too (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, such a great movie. Uh, It's really, I think, one of Eastwood's best. And it has just great performances all around Um, Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, Gene Hackman. Again, it's uh, really solid, solid production. Well, then that um, puts me in a spot where I'm trying to pick one of these two. And I guess I will go with this one. It is Blade Runner, which is... Also, just one of the the greats. This uh, is just a brilliant sci fi film, and uh, true enough, uh, uh, Deckard is a former police officer, and he is uh, brought in by Gaff to his former supervisor, Bryant, and uh, his uh, he has to uh, come out of retirement and go back to working as a Blade Runner to capture these four replicants that are illegally here on Earth. And uh, it's it's just always been one of my favorites. Such a great film. Uh, I think that Ridley Scott really set the bar pretty high um, with this film as as just a, a masterpiece of of science fiction the cinema. So uh, that's my final pick Blade Runner. That's right. And what does he do with the replicants? He retires them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I love that there's that ambiguity. Like, yes. is he a, rep- a replicant himself? Oh yeah. Now both of those so,
2: uh, Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2040, uh, not 2049, forty nine two
1: just solid performances yeah. there. Perfect. Amazing. All right. All right. What did you do? You have any backups you want to throw out? I there?
2: had I had my you know my my backup. Uh, you know, when you make uh, Keanu Reeves come out of retirement, you get a whole new franchise in John Wick. And for me, that was uh, a nice transition point, I think, in Keanu's career of uh, playing a, the sort of the, you know, more more grizzled, you know, retired guy, although he's not that old, but, you know, clearly world weary. Uh, so I had that one. And then I had a sort of tricky one, which was Logan Lucky, which is actually Steven Soderbergh's return from retirement, because he said he after oh, he did okay. that uh, uh uh what was the one that he did for hbo uh the um, the piano versace one <laughs> not, not, liberace yeah liberace versace <laughs> yeah after liberace that he said he was going to retire then he did you know a few little things for cable but this was his sort of return from retirement uh on the
1: cinematic screen logan lucky so that was my other.
2: What did what did you have
1: uh, I had a few options. I had Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy oh, uh, when yes. they uh, bring Smiley night. back in. Yes. Kill Bill Volume 1 when uh, when the bride uh, gets Hattori Hanzo, Hanzo to come out of retirement yes. to make her the sword. Yes. And then, of course, how could you not have a list of coming out of retirement without including Star Wars? Because Obi-Wan Kenobi has to uh, <laughs> jump back in and uh, and help Luke out. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, yes. All right.
2: What? So we gotta, we've got we got to up our game for for this next list because this one was people were not motivated. We got to inspire them with some good choices.
1: Well, we are looking at Creed. We're okay. continuing the Rocky franchise, and we're we're doing a jump out of Rocky's life, and we're jumping into the life of the uh, the son of his former opponent, Apollo Creed. We're looking at uh, the story of Adonis Creed. And it's going to be a fun one to talk about. So, uh, you know, I was thinking that we could do one that is like, it, I think it would actually be impossible coming up with lists for it. But sequels that follow a different characters character. who, you know, who weren't <laughs> in the previous films. And like the only one that came to me was the Fast and Furious, like that new one that they have with Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because that's, it's kind of a sequel. It's in that same world, but yes. it's different characters. It's, it's, so it's, I don't it's know. It's a
2: spinoff it's, sequel with a yes you get those on tv a lot not so much in films
1: right like uh uh the jeffersons yes (laughs) or fraser (laughs) fraser
2: yes uh yeah the that would be challenging because yeah i can't think of many i'm sure there are some really obscure ones out there where some character was a minor character and we we get get a film uh but yeah i don't know that we're gonna get a lot of that that i was i've been trying to think what we would do with this uh do we have a list that maintains that connection to the rocky franchise and its role there uh or do we just look at this as a film by itself and say okay what is this one about uh and and try and come up with things because it's a really unique place that this has in this uh in the in the world of rocky
1: yeah, yeah, it's it. It is really interesting where the protagonist we followed for yeah. six films is now a supporting character. Yeah, uh, so it's it's an interesting shift, but it's a really hard thing to make lists of. Um, we could certainly look at. Um, we could do uh, films dealing with illegitimate children. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yes, I think that. <laughs> Give us something easy but uh yeah i think that works
1: that, i think yeah that that gives us some interesting things yeah. to look at uh let's see what else we have uh his uh his girlfriend has yeah. progressive hearing loss we yes. could do characters with uh with hearing issues it's kind of a random one <laughs> it's but of... it's it's an option <laughs> yeah cuz I mean this is
2: this is so because it's it's sort of like a reboot cuz it's again you've got the young boxer type of we're going to tell that story again
1: um hmm. well we could do i it's it's not a perfect one because yeah. so far we've had uh two directors in this franchise uh John G Avildsen and Sylvester Stallone mm-hmm. but we could do new directors to to oh. a, an established franchise is that something that uh would be easy or difficult i don't know
2: so you've got a franchise that's established by one director and you've got somebody else that comes in
1: yeah, yeah. i mean it, again it's not perfect because technically this has had two directors, two directors in the, yeah the franchise so far but um but certainly, Stallone was always involved, even yeah. when it was Avildsen, like from the beginning. Yes,
2: I think this is definitely a, a different perspective. Yeah, let's throw that in the mix. I don't know what we're sure, gonna, Okay. I don't know what we're going to get, but uh, I don't either. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. And because of that, that's what
1: everybody's going to vote for. So we'll <laughs>
0: probably. <laughs> um, All right, and then
1: for the final okay. pick. Um, let's see what else do we have here we've got uh, er, 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 um, is passing the torch something oh I mean could okay we,
0: yeah we could I mean, do that, that
1: kind of
2: yes that I think that is actually a really good option
1: all right well that's it Ill- okay. illegitimate children new directors to an established franchise and passing the torch excellent choices yeah I think that will work and then uh, we'll have to see what we come up with uh, for the final <laughs> week <laughs> oh, uh, man, Creed 2 yeah, okay but let's worry about that next week. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's it for uh, the satmat today, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed us, enjoyed it. And uh, thanks uh, for all of your support. We really appreciate it. And uh, get your votes in for next week's uh, satmat poll. We look forward to more conversations about uh, these movies. And uh, Steve, thanks as always. And thank you to you as well. Top of the morning right. to you. <laughs> all right. Bye,
2: everybody. Hondo.
0: Just visit the slash originals. Your purchases made through our links. Give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic...